You're listening to Nathan Shansky, and this is the Passion with Purpose podcast. Hello to all you creators, dreamers, and doers out there. I'm Nathan Shansky, photographer, business coach, and your host. After starting my photography business and nearly giving up after a rough first couple of years, with God's help, I transformed my business and became the multi-six-figure business owner here with you today. I'm here to drop weekly episodes full of everything I've learned in the process while bringing on some of the biggest experts in the industry. This podcast is for photographers, creatives, and anyone wanting to build a business and life of your fullest God-given potential. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, friend. Welcome back to the show. So today, I am bringing you an episode that I did with Alora Rochelle. And I had her in my podcast a couple... I think it was like a month ago or something like that, maybe a couple months ago. And then I was on her podcast, and we had an awesome conversation all about video marketing and all about kind of like really how to stand out with showing up as yourself and showing your face and and using obviously like motion picture to market yourself. And so I told Alora, I was like, I got to have that show on my podcast too, because it was just such an awesome conversation. And you all loved the episode that I did with her. So I'm bringing you the episode we did on her podcast to this podcast. And we're going to just be diving into so many different topics. It was just such an awesome conversation. So buckle up. And let's get talking to Alora Rochelle. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Wedding CEO Podcast. I am so excited. I have a good friend on the podcast with me, Nathan Chansky. Actually, we did a swap the previous week, and it was so fun. We talked about all the things. So if you're listening, definitely check out that episode on his podcast. But we're just going to dive right in. So Nathan, tell us all about how you became a wedding photographer and basically like what you're doing now. Absolutely. So, so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun doing the episode on my show. I just feel like it was like definitely one of the more laid back and like natural episodes. So I loved it. But yes, I am a wedding photographer and I have been full-time as a wedding photographer for the past four years. And I first got into that on a whim to be an entrepreneur because I had gone the route of going to a college and going to try to make it in the corporate space, realizing that I really did not like that. I felt like I just didn't fit there. I didn't belong there. And my ability to like sell myself through a resume and cover letters and LinkedIn puke it just was not giving for Nathan Chansky. Like, I'm sorry, but it just wasn't. And so I decided that I need something different. And I remember during that time, I was actually living in Washington, D.C. at that time, trying to like hustle to make it into the corporate marketing space for politicians, oddly enough. I just remember seeing a lot of people on Instagram making their creative hustles, passions a business. And I was like... I could do that. Like, come on now. I could make that happen. And I feel like I did a little bit of photography back when I was in high school. I took photos, quote unquote, for my friends who needed like senior pictures or something, edited those things in picnic, if you will ever recall. And yeah, it was a good time. So I was like, I can do this. So I really started getting into it back in, oh, I don't even know when that was, but a while ago. And then I went full time in. I believe it was 2019. And so then I went full-time in 2019. 
because I had like a full year of weddings lined up for the following year. And then I remember 2020 was just like this year that I just felt things were not growing at the beginning of the year. And then like the pandemic just added grossness to all of that. And so it was within that time that I really learned business and was like, okay, I need to make a change here. I can't just be the creative. I have to actually make this work, you know? And so that's how I kind of like transformed everything. I, I just learned business inside and out. And then it was, I think, the following year in 2021, early 2021, I finally hit six figures in bookings. And I was like, okay, so this is how you can actually live off of being the creative instead of just having this like normal average salary that was like not really getting by. And so from there, I started teaching people what I knew. And I started just making my way into, yeah, just sharing what I knew. And then people started asking me for more of it. Then I started getting into a little bit of like, okay, here's a paid product of like a thing that I use in my business. And it kind of turned into an education platform actually sooner than I was expecting. And so that's kind of what I do now is like a combination of those two things. It's, it's interesting because now that I'm in that place where I do both, it feels like one of them has to take the back seat. And so I'm realizing like, especially for next year, that client facing photography work is going to have to take the back seat. But I love what I do. I love coaching other photographers. It's probably the most passionate thing I have right now. Like, yeah, I just absolutely love it. And I, I love seeing people transform their business based on the passionate thing that they do. So yeah, that's a little bit about me, a little backstory. And yeah. I love it. I love it. Because when you said picnic, I was like screaming, but I have to mute myself because I'm so chatty. I'm really chatty. But yes, I used to literally take photos on my digital camera and then make everything black and white and that one thing color because picnic. Totally. (laughs) Brushing in the little like red on the girl's lips for sure. Yes. You didn't live (laughs) if you didn't do the spot color editing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was a whole different time. Yes, it was a time. No, I feel like a grandma when I even talk about all those things. But anyway, I remember you on Clubhouse, okay? Because mm. I was very pregnant. It was the pandemic. And my friend Molly was putting together these Clubhouse chats. Mm-hmm. And you were in like all the rooms. And I'm like, who is this guy? And he's talking about branding and photography and stuff. And it was really interesting. And then I think we all taught... We went back and forth and taught one Clubhouse thing before... I gave birth to my son because yes, you go into labor while you're teaching people in clubhouse. It's totally normal. So I just remember seeing that transformation. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, that did happen. And it happened so fast. So that's amazing. Yeah. It's crazy. It's so funny to look back on clubhouse and be like, what happened to clubhouse? (laughs) It was just like a really interesting time. I felt like it lasted for a solid two months or something. Maybe it was... I don't know. Maybe it was longer than that. It felt like it was like a two-month stint. And then people were Mm -hmm. like, but wait, what actually are we doing? It was a cool community building thing, I will say. But it definitely... Yeah. Yeah. She fizzled. It was... Yeah. It was a good time. It felt like almost a dream. It was like it came and it went. It was a very fast feud. But I think because we had nothing else to do, we had no one to talk to. Clubhouse felt like the answer. I was like, oh, I have virtual friends. Exactly. do this or teach this. But then when things started opening up and it was like the same old, same old, we kind of were like, eh. Yeah. We're like, okay, never mind. <laughs> but 
Honestly, I have my hot take a little bit about that when it comes to threads, because every once in a while, people are like, is anybody here? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's so true. 70%. Like they said, 70% of the people that signed up are literally gone. I might On be threads? one of those. Really? Okay. 70%. It's funny because I don't use threads as actively as like I want to. And mm-hmm. I will say I love the idea of a word-based platform like Twitter or threads or whatever Twitter calls itself right now. But... X? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's an interesting platform. I was going to say she's a diva, but threads is definitely like giving way too much masculine energy to be called a <laughs> she. But yeah, it's interesting because I love the idea of words and like giving people little sound bites of information like that. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to keep up with. It's hard to like open a new app every day when Mm. you're already going to a place like Instagram or like I'm more prone to go to TikTok than I am to threads. So, but yeah, Mm -hmm. it's very interesting like how many social media platforms come and go. I will say I do wish that the photography community or the creative community as a whole had a platform or something like that, like Clubhouse to connect with people because I think there was something like super wholesome about just having a bit of community that wasn't part of a program or like a course or something. It was just like organic and just meeting people, whether it was in your area or just in the photography space that you could just talk to because it's a lonely industry. So Mm -hmm. somebody launched a clubhouse copycat, I think, or they were in the works and then it just never happened. Yeah, probably. (laughs) I don't even know what it would be, but I bet they did. it was really lame. I think it was called like audio something. And I was like, no, I think it's in my stories. I might like reshare it and be like, no, y'all didn't. Like y'all tried it. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That is interesting. But you know what? And this is like so off track. But I feel like with social media, and this could even just go into like branding is like, you really have to keep up. You can't mm-hmm. just launch one thing and be like, I'm so good. I don't have to change. You do have to evolve. And mm-hmm. as much as we complain about Instagram, they do launch new things all the time. And Instagram is your status symbol. When I'm looking up a brand or a person, I don't go on Facebook. I don't really go on TikTok. TikTok is for fun, but I go on someone's Instagram. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because Instagram, I do think, feels like a resume in a sense, mm-hmm. especially those who are in the digital entrepreneurship space. I think it definitely feels like a place in which you're going to be showcasing who you are and the most like client-facing part of what you do. And it is definitely its own version of... <laughs> I don't want to say LinkedIn, but like it's definitely like a more youthful, raw, authentic version of kind of like a LinkedIn where for, again, for certain spaces for professionals, because it really showcases a lot of that stuff. Like, I mean, I even noticed, I don't know if other people have noticed this, but when I'm at weddings and I'm connecting with other vendors, people don't hand out their cards like nearly as much as they used to. People say, oh, what's your Instagram? That's the first thing that comes out of people's mouths, which I think is very, very interesting that it's kind of shifted that way. So for better or for worse, I do think it is like a very important platform to be on and to make sure that you're maintaining a dimension of it's looking good, like good personal branding on there. Yeah. And I was I actually have a question for you based on that because you mentioned TikTok too. So you were able to like really build your presence, your awareness, your platform. Was it on TikTok or was it Instagram Reels? And what is your opinion on both? 
That's a great question. So yeah, I actually started mainly on TikTok because I felt like I was at a place where I think a lot of people are where you get in this rut of like a certain group of people who comment and like and maybe if you're lucky, share your posts (laughs) and even see your posts, right? And a lot of those people are people that maybe you have a little bit too close of personal ties to, to feel like you can really evolve as a creator and as a brand, right? And so for me, I definitely felt the weight of that. I felt like every time I would post, it was like, okay, I know all the people... I know like the top 50 people who are going to be seeing my posts like every single time. And I just felt so watched by people who were again, like almost too close to me in my personal community. And I didn't really want like all the chatter of what's Nate doing? Like, is this something new? Or like, I've never seen him doing this before. You know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. And a lot of that is like self-inflicted. Like people might not have been saying all of that, but I just thought they were. But again, for whatever reason, I felt very watched. And so then I was like, well, I'm going to go on TikTok because I can get on TikTok and their algorithm is set up so that even if you have zero followers, or I will say it was more like this back at the beginning of like 2021 or even into 2020, it was even better this way. But even if you had zero followers, if you had the good content, people would see your stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm. you could start with zero followers and create a thousand followers within like a week's time. Like that wasn't actually unheard of. And so I just started posting stuff about, Hey, like, this is what I know. Like, I don't know everything. I'm not like the perfect person. Like I don't have the perfect business or whatever, but like, Hey, here's how to edit a photo. And Hey, here's how to like use your CRM for the first time, or here's how to take this photo in this type of lighting. You know what I'm saying? And so then I just like started posting those tips because I just felt passionate about like giving other people tips and people were asking me those things in person anyways. And so I was like, well, Hey, I can just share this. And so again, TikTok gave me that space to really create in a low stakes way. So that once I actually started getting traction and maybe even like self-confidence, I was like, oh, well, I wonder if I just try taking this type of a thing over to Instagram where I already have, yes, sort of an audience. And I don't know, like if it worked on TikTok, maybe it'll work on Instagram. And so that's kind of what I did is I just started posting on both Instagram and TikTok. And I would just post the stuff that I posted on TikTok to Instagram. And I think because TikTok was a lot more ahead of the curve, a lot of the content that I was posting on Instagram from TikTok, it was able to gain some traction because people were probably like, oh, like not many people post on Instagram like this. So it stands out a little more. So in that way, I kind of see those two in that way, whereas a lot of people... TikTok is not a word of mouth-based platform. It's a very anonymous presence type of platform. Whereas Instagram, I think is a lot more word of mouth. And a lot of the people that you're connected with are from your personal local community. And so there's a little bit more pressure there. So yeah, that's kind of how I would like uh, compare the two from that perspective and how I started into each. Yeah, that's a really good answer because I'm still wondering now because I know back then TikTok was the place to be and nobody really knew what they were doing. So it was like, if you launch something, your visibility would probably like explode. I mean, a thousand followers in a week is kind of insane for Instagram. And I think somebody even said a hundred thousand followers on TikTok is like a thousand followers on Instagram because of how easy it was to get them. Is it okay? I was like, is that true? 
I mean, it can be. I don't know if necessarily that means that the quality of the followers is equivalent to like a thousand on Instagram. But I do think that you can grow pretty quickly on like, okay, if you have one viral video, you can grow pretty quick. I will say it's going to be slower growth than it was back in 2020 or 2021. It's not going to be as quick because the volume of users is just higher. And so you're competing with other people for the eyeballs. But at the end of the day, I do think the, again, algorithm on TikTok is more likely to put your, in quotes, objectively good content out Whereas on Instagram, I mean, you could have a really good content on Instagram. And if you just happen to have like 500 followers, no one might see it because Instagram really puts out your content based on how many followers you have, which is kind of sucky of them, but Mm. it just is what it is. So yeah, that's, I think, a big distinction that people need to understand. And that's why I say, hey, if you feel like you got good content and it's not hitting on Instagram post it all on TikTok. Like you might just get better results there and it's just more low stakes anyway. So yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, why not repurpose what you've already created? I love repurposing anything. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a lot of people ask this question and I don't really have an answer for it. So I think you will because of what you said about your visibility on Instagram being like close friends and family. And it was like, Hey there, Bill, how's it going? Mm -hmm. What do you think it's like? What do you think it's like? He's like, yeah, it's hitting. It's hitting. <laughs> what was it like starting a business knowing that people in your personal life are watching? How do you get past that mindset and just like move forward? Like a lot of people don't start because they're like, oh, like all my friends are on my Instagram. Do I start brand new or do I just keep going? Do I do this? And I'm like, I don't know because I started Instagram in 2009 and my stuff was way more embarrassing when I became a business profile. So curious. for sure. Well, what I would say, it's hard because there's a short answer and then there's a long answer. My short answer is truly (laughs) like get over it, honestly. And, And that's like the quickest way I can help somebody because that's what I would tell myself. I'd be like, Nate, mm. you are being a drama queen right now. Get over it. Whereas I think if I were giving you the longer answer and maybe like actually try to be helpful, my longer answer would be you have to really establish in your head what you are willing to do in order to pursue your goals and your dreams. And you also have to look at like side by side. If your goal is I want to make $10,000 per month, because that's what I think me and my family needs to like survive or whatever, then okay, so you look at that $10,000. And you want to get really specific. And, And you know, I make students of mine do this. And I say, what does that represent for you? Like that number that you wrote down, what does that represent? I want you to like actually spell out all the details of that. Would you buy a house? Would you buy a car for your spouse? Would your spouse not have to work anymore? Would you be able to have kids and provide for them better? Would you be able to like send your child to like a school that you wanted to send them to? Are you able to get your kitchen remodeled? Are you able to take an extra vacation and like go to, you know, a place you've always wanted to go to or whatever. And so you list out all of these things and you look at the numbers of it and like, yes, this is what it would give me. 
And then you have to put up against that, like in a different column, you write out like what is at stake. And then what you're going to write, what's at stake here is that again, like Bill and like Linda and like (laughs) Jesse, who was the bully in your high school are going to like quote unquote, think things of you. And you're like, all right, so are you willing to give up all that stuff in the first column because of all the stupid stuff that you put in the second column? Like, are you willing to Mm -hmm. actually give that up? And to me, that's really what it came down to. Because you can say to yourself like, oh, well, no one really is thinking anything. But like, honestly, they might. They might be thinking stuff. And people might be like raising their eyebrows and talking about you at their like afternoon tea. And I've even heard some people, it's hilarious where some people, and this has never happened to me, probably for the best, but I've heard some people were like, they will be showing up more in social media in just more of like a personal, authentic way. And then someone will respond to their story as if sending it to like a friend of theirs with like some sort of like mocking content of like, I can't believe how cringe she is. And then they'll send it to the person who made the content. And so the fact of the matter is, is like sometimes people might be thinking crap about you and it happens. It really does. Like people are gross. People are mean. I feel like adulthood is just middle school all over again in some senses. Mm. We're just more like secretive (laughs) about it. But at the end of the day, you have to look at it and you're like, okay. And like, you know what I mean? Like, so what? Like, am I really going to give up all that I Mm -hmm. think I can accomplish and all that I think I can actually reach and make and money because there is the possibility that Joe Schmo might think something about me. And it's just like, you got to get down to that point where you're like, no, it's not worth it. I can't afford quite literally to care what other people think. That's honestly my Mm. answer. And I know it's a little blunt, but... (laughs) It was. Nathan's spicy, guys. That's why I call him Nate now. He's like, he's not a Nathan. He's like... (laughs) Oh man, that's like... like Nate is like the alter ego. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! But like one thing that came up for me, it just sounds like ultimately, yes, you might be dealing with all these like mindset things. But the question is, what are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice? And that that is about business. Like if you don't ever want to get uncomfortable, don't start a business. (laughs) We're constantly uncomfortable. Yeah. It's kind of like one of those things where I've been thinking about this a lot lately as I am getting into... I have a coaching program and it's it's new to this year. And I'm really kind of relaunching it at the end of this Yay! year as more of kind of like a group model. And something that you probably have this too, but I think what's so interesting is that I always thought when I got into the education space, I thought that like... That's you that the biggest fear of being a coach or an educator is like, what if my coaching or education just like straight up doesn't work for people? And like, what if it only worked for me and whatever? And it's really interesting because now that I'm actually like in that space, that is not my fear at all. My greatest (laughs) fear is always without fail. What if they don't do what I tell them to do and they just don't do it? And Mm. I can't help them do it because they've just decided in their head that they're not willing to. That's always Mm. my greatest fear is that the student just doesn't do the work. Because I think we have perpetuated this culture in our society of like, 
you can just get rich quick and you can just like have incredible things happening with like the bare minimum result. Or my favorite is, and this, I can't stand this culture of like, oh, well, I asked how it's going for everybody else. And the consensus I'm hearing is that everyone's struggling right now. And like everybody's going through like a hard time right now, or like bookings are slow for everybody right now. And I'm like, that is never, ever, ever a basis for you to like benchmark your own results. Who cares what everyone else is doing? The fact of the matter is, is that most businesses don't even make it past year three, like by a mile. Mm -hmm. Most businesses, photographers barely ever make it to 100K. Like the stats on that are actually sad in the amount of people that never get there. So the fact of the matter is, is like you have to fundamentally stop looking at what everyone else is doing as a barometer for if you, if what you're doing is correct. You can't do that. You can't go down that route because it's not necessarily what is going to get you success. So the fact... I don't even know where I like started with this. But the whole fact is like, listen, you got to be willing to put in the work. and You got to be willing. You're laughing at me right now. You got to be willing to just do what it takes, not what everyone else does. Yes. Yes. No, that was good. We were talking about sacrifice. He just, he, he went on a tangent, but <laughs> I mean, I think we really did that on the other one too. <laughs> it's Nate again. I get all fired up. I was looking at my Instagram and I posted a while ago that 86.3% of business owners, I don't even know about wedding photographers, make less than 100K. So I mean, if, 86. That is sobering. 13%, so 13.7% actually do make six figures, which to you know talk about your point is like, who cares what they're doing? You know what to do. Let's do it, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like too, when you were talking about all the tea and people talking about you and there was like a saying, somebody said, I never know who it is because I, I skim with my, when I read, but they were saying that when people talk behind your back, they're behind you for a reason. Keep going, mm-hmm. right? And what I've noticed... And let me know if this is the same for you because I know your growth was extremely fast. But if there were people that were kind of like, oh, what is he doing? Whatever. And then eventually they end up bragging like, oh, I know this person. Oh, I knew them in high school. And they were like the meanest to you ever. Like that that happens because the people that were talking behind your back, eventually they're going to be talking about you, right? So mm. yes, I mean, in the words of Nate, get over it. But to, you're going to have to self-coach. You're going to be like, is it worth it? Do you see what's on the other side? you can totally sacrifice feeling a little bad and just kind of get through it. So I like yeah, that. And I, I just totally agree. To- I've never heard that saying before. And that is such an incredible saying. What I've actually noticed a lot of times with, again, people talking about you is, well, two things. Number one, if ever you are in a situation where someone is like talking bad about you, just know that they are in no way like someone you should admire because if they were, they would never talk bad about you. Like if you've ever been in a situation where again, you're like pursuing something, let's bring it to a different metaphorical scenario. Like if you're working out and you're like, I really want to like tone my abs or something like that. And you go through the reps of getting there and just committing yourself to that. The fact of the matter is, is like when one of your friends is like maybe going through the same like workout program or something like that, you're like, come on, let's go. You got this. You can do this, right? Mm -hmm. But if someone has never gone through that process, they're going to be the quickest ones to attack you. 
because it's usually, quite frankly, out of jealousy and just like insecurity on their part that they would never be willing to do that themselves. And so at the end of the day, you have to see that for what it is. It's not Mm. coming from a place, like you said, of being ahead of you or coming from a place of like, wow, like they have it all down and that's why they're mocking you. No, it's coming from a place of insecurity. It's not a reflection of who you are and what you're doing. It's a reflection of where they are and who they are. Because again, no one ahead of you is going to mock you. Like people ahead are always like, hey, keep going. Like you're awesome. I remember when I was there, just keep Mm -hmm. stay the course. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'd say mostly people ahead of you are going to give you that, you know, kick in the pants. Sometimes people ahead of you also will not root for you. And that's just part of the game too. (laughs) What? Tell the story. No. Sounds like you have one. (laughs) No. Oh, we all have different stories. It's never one story, but yes, definitely. Sometimes you just got to stick it out no matter what, no matter who's kind of getting under your skin, you know? Yeah, no, totally. And even to like your point when you're talking about the coaching fears and thinking about your student success and, oh, are they even going to listen? And then us being like, what if they're not even going to get the result because they never do anything? I had to learn and even tell my students in one of my training videos is like, you are ultimately responsible for yourself. Hmm. We are not responsible. You are responsible for your own result. And that is an ultimate no-nonsense decision. You invested in this. I gave you everything. You have to apply it, which I feel like that's why we don't do free coaching. Because if we did free stuff all the time, people would be like, eh, I don't really have to. Sure. no skin in the game. Sure. And I had to learn too that I can't save everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that could that's be good. a whole mindset shift on its own, right? It's like, you can save yourself, but can you really save everybody? I can try, but I probably can't. Right. Because everybody, like you said... And that it's interesting you say that because I feel like I have some of this, I had to go through some of those same mindset shifts of, oh, no one is responsible for the outcomes of the actions that I do or do not take, except mm. for me. Someone may think something, some may, someone may have something to say. Someone may even be like, hey, are you sure you want to do this? And whatever, and give their doubts about what you're doing. But at the end of the day, no one has to live with what you decide or decide not to do except for you. So make your decision based on what's right for you, not what they think is right for you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think honestly, maybe it could just be like a personality thing where it's like you want to save everybody, you want to be the everything to everyone, you want to be liked, oh, I get you want to be too. especially as a coach. I feel like that's something we all have to just like, ugh, go through. Like, I just want to save everybody. But <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm gonna label this episode coaching rants because <laughs> <laughs> literally <laughs> back to the whole visibility marketing part. I do want to ask, why did you choose video? Interesting. That's a great question. Yeah. Well, because what I saw in video was first and foremost, something that I believe about marketing, which is go where no one else is going and no one else is willing to go and you will have the greatest result in that space. We Mm -hmm. always think in terms of marketing, well, I need to do what everyone else is doing. And if everyone else is posting a one-by-one on Instagram then I need to be posting a one-by-one on Instagram with live, laugh, love as the caption. But the fact of the matter is, is like if that is your plan, 
you will get the results that everyone else is getting. And as we know, everyone else gets mediocre results, if not horrible results. So that's what you will get. And, and not only that, but you will also be in a sea of the exact same type of content, in which case your content will not stand out. So mm. the fact of the matter is, it's really best if you go into these spaces, which yes, have higher maybe risk, they have higher dimension of your commitment to be a part of them or to create in them. But at the end of the day, because you went that extra mile that other people weren't willing to go to, and you were willing to push past the like pain point that other people weren't willing to push past, well, now you get to see the results that no one else gets to see because they, they weren't willing to go there. So video is one of those spaces, especially during that time, that I just saw so many photographers being so averse to of like, I do not want to create reels. I do not want to create TikToks. It's funny to me now because I don't hear any of that anymore. I really don't. I think people have just like realized like video is not going anywhere and it's here to stay and we got to like figure it out. But I do know that back in the day, it was something that everyone was like very averse to. And so I was like, all right, I'll do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I'll figure it out. And I think also with video, a second thing that I saw, which was just a massive opportunity was the opportunity for personal branding, which is I get to show people the me behind the experience instead of just my work. Because everyone can take a good photo. Everyone can put a preset on it. Everyone can, you know, like deliver a good client experience with like all the fixings, but not everyone can be me. And that can be my differentiating factor so that when people reach out to me, oh, it's Nate and nobody else can be Nate. And he has mannerisms and he has a way that he talks to people. He has a way that he makes some people feel. He has like a humor about him. He has a character. He has like personality traits, like all these things that are not transferable to anybody else's business. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to push into this instead of just like, oh, I have pretty work and I use like warm and filmy looking presets. And then what happened was is people started reaching out because of me instead of because of just my photos. And, and there was so much power in that. So that's really what I see in videos. Again, like one, no one's doing it. Number two, it just rocket launches your personal brand. Like I don't think anything else really can at the moment. No, that's good because I feel like photo... And I feel this way and yet still, I don't even post videos. So like don't even <laughs> listen to me, but... <laughs> I'm like nodding my head. I'm like, yeah, I was one of those people. I was like, I will not do reels. I will not jump in shoes. I mean, I might be, I don't know, sooner or later. But I noticed that like photos, you cannot feel a personality from a photo. Hmm. When you see someone on video, you know, you can like feel their vibe. And then in person, you really know who they are, right? But I feel like video is the closest thing you're going to get. And this could be just me. And I might be taking a huge left turn here. But like ever since the pandemic isolation is my default. So like if I get really overwhelmed, I just go home. I don't know. It's so weird. And so having video and being able to see video feels like I'm in the presence of others, which I feel like is why we're even more on social media. All these relatable Instagram reels about life, family, home decor. I like have my... That's my television at this point. I'm watching real life things all the time. What are your thoughts on video now versus things? I know it's probably not as easy to go viral, but what would you think the future is for video? One of them you said was, it's not going anywhere, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going anywhere for the time being. I do think it's interesting because you have to kind of distinguish. So for me, like if I'm talking about short form video right now, I do think that short form video has started to become what, again, things like Netflix or YouTube or Hulu or all these other spaces where people would like sit down and digest for maybe like 15 to 60 minutes at a time. Whereas now people, we live in a busier society kind of like by the day. And so Mm -hmm. people feel like they don't have to fully commit to a full 30 minutes of entertainment to just open TikTok. And so that's why they're like, oh, I'm just going to open TikTok while I'm on my lunch break or while I'm waiting for someone in the car or while I'm in like the metro or like, dare I say, while I'm in the bathroom. You know what I'm saying? It's like people are just in that place where they're like, it's a low stakes and low commitment form of entertainment. And so I do think people are at this place where they're spending more time in those types of short form places than they would be in, again, the longer format places. But again, I still think there's a place for longer format. And so it's really interesting too, because I don't want to make this about like AI, but I do think AI will very soon. And I would Mm -hmm. guess by like 2025, it's going to really make the short form video space eerie and like weird because basically you'll be able to eventually just like create the type of content that otherwise would have only been able to have been created with like actual raw footage. And you'll be able to create that potentially with AI, which is like kind of weird. I think it'll be interesting. I think that's probably the next big change on the horizon in the video space. But again, I do think no matter what, it's going to continue to grow because people love the idea of like motion picture rather than just like static images. But then to that piece, I also don't really think that images are going to go anywhere necessarily yet either because there is also something that has so much depth and magic and nostalgia in just a still. Mm. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know is my best answer, but those are some of my like predictions. So if somebody wants to get started with video marketing, right? They're like, okay, this all sounds great for Nate. (laughs) I like that. I might call it great for Nate. What would be like three tips or even like three pieces of content you would have them share to like get started or get comfortable with video? Like if you could just pick anything. Totally. Well, I'm going to make this very specific to a photographer and not just make it like for anybody. Of course. That is most of your audience, you'd say, right? They are wedding photographers, yes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I just want to make sure that you weren't like, oh, it's actually graphic designers, which I'd be really surprised at, but you never know. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Hey, you never know. (laughs) Okay, so wedding photographers, if you're a wedding photographer and you're like, what should I create? I think if I could give you three pieces of content that should be like your bread and butter for video... Mm. Number one, you want to create portfolio content, right? So you want to create content that showcases the work that you have in your portfolio, the images, your photographer, right? So show people your images. I'm going to get really practical in a second, but I'm just going to start with these three. So then number two, I think what you also want to create is something that is 
informational or educational for your target client. So something that gives them some sort of inspo or some sort of like, I just shot a wedding with this and you should try this. Or if you are struggling in this area, like you should try something like this. Or here's how you can avoid making this mistake while planning your wedding or taking photos or something like that. And then the third bucket of types of content that you want to create, I believe, is content that entertains your audience. Mm. And some people I think immediately go to, oh, well, I have to be this comedian in order to entertain my audience. And that's not true. You could post like a beautiful vibey b-roll video with like a beautiful caption on it that was like inspiring for people that is entertainment right you could hop on the latest voiceover trend right the that's like something that a lot of people try to do and that's entertainment you could tell a story about something funny that happened at a recent wedding of yours like not putting any people down by the way don't do that but some sort of funny story that happened And that is entertainment. You could have footage that maybe like your second shooter took of a funny first look that somebody did at the wedding you just shot and post that as entertainment, right? But something that, again, gets your ideal client entertained or amused by what you're putting out, right? So I think those are the three main buckets that I think are the best. Portfolio, educational, informational, and then entertaining. And what I really like to recommend to people, especially, is to actually overlap the portfolio with the educational or the portfolio with the entertaining. Because a lot of times what we do is we think, oh, well, if I just have a really pretty picture and I post it as a video, like slideshow, that people are going to like love it. No, that's not true. You got to make people care. So the fact of the matter is, like, if you say... You're like, well, I want to entertain them. So I'm going to tell a funny story that happened at one of my recent weddings. Great. Well, while you're telling that story, maybe you could insert beautiful photos from that day, right? Insert your portfolio into that. So you're kind of overlapping those two types of content to leverage the portfolio with the reach of the entertaining. Or maybe you have a situation where you want to create an educational piece of content. Like I created one of these recently where I was like, Hey, if you're a bride or a groom and you don't want to do a first look before you get to the altar, that's okay. Like I had a couple of mine this past year who did exactly that. They wanted to stay old fashioned. They wanted to do their altar first look. And they did that. And look at these beautiful photos of them like crying when they got there. It was so worth it to them. And like, I just absolutely love that experience. So again, you're kind of overlapping the portfolio with maybe the more educational. So again, those are the three... There's others that I could probably give you, but I think those three are the ones that are the primary and overlap them if you can to kind of leverage again that reach of maybe something funny or entertaining or educational while still slipping in your portfolio work there so that it gives you credibility so that it gets people looking at your actual work. No, I love that. I think those are really good stepping stones. And I feel like you can really diversify your video marketing or your content with just those three pillars. So thank you for sharing that. That was going to be super helpful for people who really just want to finally get started with video marketing if they haven't already, aka probably myself. (laughs) But do you have any last words or any advice for anybody 
on all the topics. I don't even know. Pick one topic that we talked about. I guess it could be advice for anyone that just like wants to become a successful wedding photographer or somebody that wants to just get started in video. Like what are your your thoughts, your last words? Totally. Yeah. So I'll go with kind of what we were talking in the mindset stuff. I would just say my advice to you would be to go all in and don't let anybody or anything or even yourself get in the way of what you want to do and what you believe in. Because at the end of the day, you've got to come down to that point where you're like, this is what I'm going to create. And this is what it's going to produce if I actually create this. And that is my priority. And I'm not going to let anything else become like a pseudo priority instead of that. Like, no, this is the priority. And everything else has to be just like water under the bridge behind that. It can't be something that stops me from where I want to get to. And that's why I say, go all in. Be so all in on your business growth that nothing else gets in the way and nothing else even like has that opportunity to get in the way. So when you do that, you can really do anything. Yeah, I love that. And I like your version. Like we have two different mindset. I feel like coaching strategies are like, just do it. And I'm like, yeah, we'll just like feel the feelings and then go through it and you'll be fine. You're like, just do it. Just get started. You're welcome. <laughs> learn as you Thank go you. as well. <laughs> Thank you so much for just being on the podcast. And it was so much fun. We talked about so many things. I don't even know what to call this one. So it's going to be fun. But where can everyone find you? Tell us a little bit about like your Instagram, your website, your podcast, all the things. Totally. Yeah. So I'd say the best place to find me and like get some good content from me is both my Instagram at Nathan Chansky and then my podcast, which is called Passion with Purpose. We talk a lot about how to make money, how to live your life, how to live to your full potential as a creative entrepreneur. So yeah, like podcasts for something more long format and Instagram for something a little more short format and conversational. So yeah. I love it. Thank you so much again, Nate. This was fun. And I'm sure I'll probably see you later. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.